This episode of Physically Spiritual explores the anatomy of a wound, how our traumatic experiences can become strongholds that keep us stuck in sin. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. It was a holiday when I was a young child, and we were driving in a car with some extended family. And in my excitement, I was going on talking about whatever came to my mind. And one of my family members said to me, before you say something, say it to yourself a few times to make sure it's something that you should say out loud. And when he said this, you know, he was trying to help me, uh, you know, just sort of tend to my words, not say things that didn't make sense or might be harmful to others. But in, in my young heart, that word resonated in me. I felt rejected in a way. I felt like I couldn't speak. I shouldn't speak. I began to believe that, that what the thoughts that came to my mind shouldn't be said out loud. And I made a vow not to share what was on my mind and heart. See, these sometimes simple experiences or seemingly uh, harmless things on the surface can have a reverberation in our life, can echo in our hearts. See, there's a divine plan to make us essential members of the kingdom of heaven. There's a part of God's work that he wants to delegate to each of us. But there's also a demonic conspiracy in our life to suppress that call. The devil uses our difficult experiences to testify against the goodness of God. And by doing this, he's looking to enslave us in our past and stop us from being free to embrace what the Lord has brought into our life. Sometimes these places of battle, these places where we get stuck, are called strongholds. But at the heart of a stronghold is always a wound, a place where we're hurt a place that's unhealed, a place where we haven't allowed the divine physician to heal us. This teaching I'm going to share today comes from Father Mark Toops and Dr. Bob Schutz, uh, originated, I think, in some of their teaching in the IPF, the Institute for Priestly Formation, but is a big part of the work of the John Paul II Healing Center. I'll, uh, I have links to um, their handouts uh, sh- in the show notes, links to their, their books, different resources they have online. So full credit goes to them. And with that, before I get deep into this teaching, I want to invite you all to consider becoming a member of the Totus Tuus community. The Totus Tuus community are the patrons of Physically Spiritual, those that give a small or large monthly gift to offset the cost of producing and publishing this show. As a member, you get access to different level perks, like bonus content, the full Ask Me Anything episodes, and much more. So go over to physicallyspiritual.com to sign up to be a member of the patron community. If you want to get access to your member benefits or access to any of the content published here at Awaken Catholic, you can get the Awaken app. The Awaken app has an alternate to social media, a lot of extra content, all the shows that are published here, and a way to get into your special member area if you're a patron of one of the shows. Go over to theawakenapp.io or search for the Awaken app on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store to get the app. 
So in this teaching, what's called the anatomy of a wound, meaning what goes in to forming one of these strongholds in our heart, this place where a difficult experience becomes a wound that affects our behavior. I told that story of, um, of that, that wound in the car, that the word of a family member that might have not been as gentle as it could have been or just maybe resonated in my young heart in the wrong way. Right, This wound was um, really, in a sense, trying to silence me on some level was how the enemy used it in the vow that I made not to speak. <clears throat> and it's interesting because now in my professional work for the church, I'm out working with pastors and parishes, doing teaching, working with committees, sometimes addressing groups of people. I'm doing this podcast. I'm on our local Catholic radio station every week. You know, in so many ways, the ministry God has called me to is a ministry of talking, <laughs> of using my voice. And so I look back and I, and I ponder, uh, you know, how active were the demons trying to keep this from happening, right, to suppress this from ever happening? Uh, my friends in, in grade school would point out, pointed out to me that before I would say anything or after I would say something, they would see me mouthing my words. So I would say something and then say it back to myself. And I was constantly evaluating, is that the right thing to say? Should I say that? Um, you know, so this is one example of a wound. But what goes into the creation of one of these wounds? There's basically three layers. You might think of them as concentric circles. All the way on the outside is the actual wounding event. It's a difficult experience, but not all difficult experiences become wounds. Not all traumatic events become trauma that affects us physiologically or psychologically. So it's a difficult experience that echoes past from the past into our present. Right? It's something that we're still in some way or another experiencing. And this is because we weren't able to find relief from it. We weren't able to find connection. We weren't able to, to bring it to God or a caregiver and have it really tended to. Um, so these wounds, these difficult experiences, when it, it can't be resolved, when we don't find relief, we try to take care of it ourselves. We try to, to tend to it ourselves. We try to heal ourselves. We try to save ourselves. And the heart of this is really a falsehood. It's either an identity lie or a character judgment. And this is the second layer of that wound. From that wound, we come into a falsehood. We either believe a lie about ourselves or we believe something false about somebody else. We make a character judgment about somebody else based on it. So that's an interpretation of our feeling. We're making meaning out of that sensation of pain. Story follows state. So because of this falsehood, though, because of this identity liar character judgment, we're brought out of touch with reality and out of touch with God. We're trying to save ourselves. It's really a form of plagiarism of trying to save ourselves by our own effort. We lose sight of who we are as a child of God. So the, the third layer, in our effort to save ourselves, we make some kind of an unholy vow, a vow that isn't grounded in truth, isn't founded in goodness. Sometimes these are unconscious, sometimes these are conscious. These are choices or decisions where we try to save ourselves that drive us into behaviors, compel us, and bind us to these choices. So let's go back to that, that story of my past to talk about what's the wound, what was the lie, and then what was the vow that came out of it. The wound was just in, in that moment, right, those words. And the, the identity lie that I believed about myself was that my words weren't worth saying. 
not everything I wanted to say should I say, right? So, so there's maybe 80, 90% truth in that because it's true. You know, to love others, we probably shouldn't say everything that comes to mind. There are things that are imprudent to say, hurtful. There are things that are just aren't thought out well or could be said better, right? So there's always a lot of truth, but then it's twisted, it's twisted to, to, to then define your character or say something about who you are, right? To take your identity out from being a child of God to being defined by what you do, right? So the, the identity lie I believed was that people don't want to hear what I say, that if I'm not careful with what I say, people won't love me, right? All of these different little voices that I heard in my head. And so then there was a vow that came out of it. The vow was, I won't speak. I won't share what comes to my mind. I won't speak. I won't talk about what I feel. I won't be spontaneous with my words. I'll think about everything before I say it. And in some ways, this wound has been healed. I'm doing things like this. In other ways, it's still there. I struggle to be just spontaneous sometimes in social settings. I struggle to... Um, to, to share everything I'm thinking of and feeling with my spouse. And there's a lot of ways this wound still plays in my life. But the Lord has begun to heal it. And these, these wounds have this three-tier structure, right? The difficult experience, the painful experience, followed by an identity lie or a character judgment, meaning we're defining ourselves or somebody else contrary to their identity as a child of God, and then the unholy vow that goes with it. And here's the thing about the human will is that what we choose, what we declare is actually binding. Our words have meaning. Our words carry with it our will. We make choices and we're bound by those choices to some extent until we repent of it, until we withhold it. And demons are very legalistic. Meaning, yes, we're we're children of God. The Lord claims us. The Lord saves us. But if there are areas of our life where we've made these unholy vows, there are places where our will is compromised. I've heard a stronghold described this way, that it's like you have a a little kid with a backpack on. And with that backpack, someone can grab a hold of that kid and drag him around, move him around, pull him around. Um, I think it was uh, Dan Burke who gave that description, or maybe his wife, Stephanie. Um, And and so that stronghold is a place where the, the enemy can get in and yank us around. And so oftentimes, these are the places where, deep into our conversion, we still struggle with sin. It's important to realize that these wounds are hylomorphic. Hylomorphic meaning body and soul together. We're a composite creature. We're, one, we're a person who is physical and spiritual. So in the, the previous episodes of Physically Spiritual in the season, I've been talking a lot about fear and trauma and how we can recover from that and deal with that. So I want you to hold on to all that stuff from those previous episodes because there's also a physical dynamic to all this stuff. There is a trauma element to all this stuff. There is a way that our body is involved. But our wounds are also spiritual realities. Neil Lozano, who is a, a prominent teacher in deliverance ministry, says this, it's never only the demonic but it's also never not at all the demonic. So as Christians, you can get to a point where you're like, well, there's the devil. You see the devil all over the place and everything's the devil's fault. And that's actually kind of rarely the case. But on the other hand, you can take on kind of a secular mindset and say, well, the devil doesn't exist or it's not at all the devil. 
It's all my fault. If we just understood all of the physical causes, the trauma, the intricacies of the mind and body, then that would explain everything. And I think that's also a lie too. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. Our, our, our good actions are a co-creation of our will with God's grace. So it's like a good marriage. It's all of us given to God and God given all of himself to us. God initiates the gift and we respond. On the other hand, our bad actions, our sins, are a co-creation between our will and the demons who tempt us and bind us. Uh, so when we're, we're dealing with these sins, these difficult places, these wounded places, we need to hold this tension. It's physical and it's spiritual. It's us and it's also the temptation. It's also the demonic force. It's also the stronghold. It's a both and situation. And like I said, these demons are legalistic. So the air, the, these vows that we make give them a permission into our soul in a way that they wouldn't have access to otherwise. In his teaching about, um, about the demonic, Christ at one time talks about casting demons out, but being careful. So he says, if the door to the soul hasn't been closed, they'll return with their friends. Right, friends is probably a contradiction when you're talking about demons, with, with, their, with their co-workers maybe. <laughs> um, and then they cause more havoc in the person. Right, so there's this dynamic that it's just not a matter of casting out the demons or proclaiming it, but it's also dealing with the underlying layers going deep into the excavation of the heart to do the healing, to allow God into those places, to heal the wounds, to speak the truth into the lies that you believe, to heal those places of hurt, and sometimes also to go through a physical and psychological process of going through recovery from the trauma. So we have to approach these things holistically in our life. Uh, Dr. Schutz has identified seven deadly wounds and I think he's based this off an element of the life model. The seven deadly wounds are kind of these core areas of the person uh, that match up with kind of our core needs. But these are areas where we can be especially wounded. There are things, the seven deadly wounds are abandonment, shame, fear, powerlessness, rejection, hopelessness, and confusion. They kind of line up with the seven deadly sins which are one of the, the traditions in our church. But the seven deadly wounds, wounds of abandonment, shame, fear, powerlessness, rejection, hopelessness, and confusion. Right When, when, I, uh, when I interpreted what my uh, family member said to me, right, what was I experiencing? I think I experienced some shame right, that I had said something that I shouldn't have said. I think I also experienced some rejection, right, that they didn't want to hear what I wanted to say. Um, so all of our wounds are likely going to be in one of these categories or multiple of these categories. And what we need is the Lord to speak into our heart, into our life, to have an experience of God that contradicts the logic of the wound, the logic of the stronghold. So where we have abandonment, we need to find connection. We need to find God's presence. We need to find his, his enduring presence in our life. Where we experience shame, we need, we need acceptance. We need to be received. We need to be seen. Where there's fear, we need to be comforted. We need to be protected. Where, we, where we're powerless, we need to feel the strength of the Lord in us. We need to feel that, that we will be taken care of, that everything is going to be okay. Where we're rejected, we need to be accepted. We need to be 
we need to be seen for who we are and we need to ex- experience that God wants to be with us in that space and others do too. Where we're hopeless, we need the hope of the Lord. We need to see a future of love and goodness. And where there's confusion, we need clarity. We need truth. We need order. Remember, the devil uses these wounds to testify against the love of God. So we know there's a wound where there's a place in our life that doesn't correlate with our commitments. Right? Maybe you're, you're baptized, you try to give your whole life to the Lord, uh, you, you try to live the sacraments, you pray every day, but then you also have this sin that's lingering, and every time you go to confession, you're confessing this thing over and over and over again. Well, chances are, beneath the behavior right, that you're out of character, there's probably some kind of a wound there. Right? Some place where there's a stronghold, where the, the enemy has access into your heart, into your mind in a way that he ought not. And then with it, too, some place where there's some kind of a lie, a, a, a conscious or unconscious false belief that insulates that unholy vow you've made from being corrected because you don't believe you're, you're worthy. You don't believe you're safe. You don't believe you're good. You don't believe you're accepted. You don't believe God will help you, whatever the lie is. So to, to go through the healing process, um, we want to be... Bold yet careful. <laughs> that could sound contradictory. We need to be bold to face the difficult stuff, but also careful because you don't necessarily want to dive in head first. So what don't you want to do? You don't want to go in alone. Don't try to save yourself. Don't try to fix yourself. It's like, okay, now I see I have these wounds in my life. Now I'm going to like journal my way into salvation or something like that. No, no, don't go in alone. You have to go in with God and with others going with God and with others. If uh, if you have access to a spiritual director, uh, someone, maybe your pastor, maybe a, a Catholic or Christian counselor, right, you can go in to these places with that person. But at least going with God, going in prayer, calling to mind God's presence, asking the Lord to guide you. Don't try to fix yourself. Right? One of the ways we can try to fix ourselves is I'm going to go through my life and create a catalog of all of my wounds so I'm going to go like year by year and like really kind of like strip mine my life and dig through it all and, and fix everything. That's really not the way this works. Even if you think you got it all, you probably don't. Like our mind is limited. Our memories are fallible. You can just make a mess of things and be overwhelmed by the immensity of your struggles. So don't go in trying to fix yourself, trying to go through every tough experience in your life. What should you do? Go in with God. Going as his child, going with another that's his child, but don't be alone with your woundedness. Things that we do in these places are repent, renounce, and forgive. So we we repent of whatever sin we've committed, because the wound can be our own sin. Every sin we commit wounds us. Every sin we commit can be a place where we then begin to experience a lie, begin to believe a lie or a judgment of somebody else, and then make an unholy vow. Or it can be a sin against us. So we need to, one, we need to repent of any sin we've committed. Two, we need to renounce all the unholy vows that we've made. And then three, we need to forgive ourselves and forgive others. So repent, renounce, and forgive. And in each one of these, there's a simple prayer you can follow. 
Just say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I repent of X. That's all. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the vow X. I renounce it. I remove it. I don't want it anymore. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie X. And I announce the truth Y. And then finally, forgive. In the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive whoever it is, or I forgive myself. So this is how I would approach that wound that I talked about. I would say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that people don't want to hear what I have to say. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that I have to filter what comes into my mind to be loved by others. In the name of Jesus Christ, I repent of not speaking in times when I should have. In the name of Jesus Christ, I announce the truth that people want to hear what I have to say. In the name of Jesus Christ, I announce the truth that people will love me when they hear what I have to say. In the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive my family member who said that to me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive myself. So when you're going through this process, like I said, it's good to be with somebody else who can pray with you. And through the process, you're seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance as to what's going on, what's what's to be revealed. Um, and then they can pray over you and seal it. Um, if I'm by myself, I typically give it to Mary. I say, uh, Mother Mary, take all this. Take this to your son. Um, set me free. Protect me from the voice of the enemy in my heart. Uh, call your son's grace into my life to heal me. And then I'll pray one of a Marian prayer that I like. Um, so this is just an example of the repent, renounce, forgive. And you can apply these simple prayers in whatever uh, situation you're in. I'll, there's a link in the show notes to some of these prayers and exercises where you can find them. So point three, like I said, let the Holy Spirit guide you. When you hear nothing from God, though, accept that nothing. So a lot of times, um, if it's something really old, something when you were really young, it can be before you have explicit memories. So like before the age of two, you just have implicit memories, emotional memories. You just have feelings and sensations that you have stored. Um, You don't have words and images stored from that age. So you're not going to remember... Uh, you know, a scene. You're not going to remember what somebody tells you. You're just going to recall the sensations that go along with it. So accept when you hear nothing, but notice the sensations in your body. Notice what you feel. Notice what the Holy Spirit comes up without judgment and accept what's there. And then the fourth thing is to always be patient with yourself. There's layers to this healing process, right? So at some point, there's a place maybe where that stronghold is leading to sin That sin might be like two or three layers deep. That sin might also be like 20 layers deep, right? So you want to get into this healing process and like stop sinning probably. But the reality is the Lord might have a lot of excavating in your heart to do, a lot of work to do to get down to that point where you're acting out that sin. So be patient with yourself. Receive God's love in the midst of your struggles. Continue to call on the Holy Spirit. Our holy vows provide a foundation for us where we can face our unholy vows. And so hopefully we've all made good vows, holy vows, things like our baptism, 
where we have a profession of faith where someone's made on our behalf. But we renew that baptism every time we bless ourselves with holy water, every time we pray the creed, every time we make a profession of faith in church, we're renewing our baptismal vows. So even if somebody else made that original commitment for us, if we're living our faith, it's a commitment we've also made for ourselves. There's, I think, an implicit vow in our discipleship that we've given our whole life to Christ. And then we have holy vows in our vocations. If you're married or if you're vowed in celibacy as a priest or religious or as a consecrated single person, right, you have a holy vow in your vocation. So it's in the context of these holy vows where, one, a lot of our unholy vows are going to come to the surface, our, our failings in our discipleship or our failings to love those people we're in relationship with. But it's also in those core relationships that we can seek the healing. Right? This is something that my, my wife and I navigate together. Uh, actually, just a, a, few, a few, like last week, um, you know, we were talking about something like I just felt in my heart like I was back in a young place, like I was a child again. And, and, um, and she kind of gave me space when I pulled away, when I had those feelings. And then she came back and then prayed over me. And we, I renounced some lies and announced some truths and she prayed over me and sealed it. And then I started, um, I started shaking. And this is actually a common experience when people are prayed over or they have a profound experience, they'll shake. Remember the, in the previous episode of physical experience where we talked about trauma and there's a shaking that goes along sometimes with releasing trauma or releasing, um, you know, a painful experience from the past. It's the body completing the physical response. So I literally had a, like a, a shaking fit and we were praying over each other. And then I felt this relief, this connection, this new space in my heart. Uh, so, so in our relationships, in our marriages, maybe you're part of a religious community in your relationship with your brothers and sisters in the community. Maybe you're just part of a parish community and you have close friends. Maybe your spiritual director, your pastor can be context where you navigate this space. And if you don't have anyone else, you can always turn to a mental health professional. You know, somebody that you can you can go and share this stuff with. So how do we know we're healed? How do we know when we've navigated these places? One is just the fact that we're not acting out of it anymore. Right? When when that that push that makes us feel like we're out of control, like we don't have the freedom of choice, when they had that compulsion toward the sin or whatever it is, when that starts to dial back and get easier, not that it's going to be completely taken away. But when the pressure's off a little bit, when maybe the nine on the dial becomes a five on the dial, that's a good sign that the healing happens. And not that you never struggle anymore, but you still need to go deeper. The other thing is just a heart test. Right? Do you have peace? Do you experience resolution, connection, closeness? When you recall the memory, does it still feel like it has power over you? Are you still uh, sort of feeling the negative emotions along with it? Or does it feel resolved? When you have the memory, is Jesus there with you in the memory now? And does he feel accepting and loving in the midst of it? So doing this kind of a heart test with the memory, kind of testing it in your mind, um, can help to realize whether or not it's been resolved. So I hope this has been helpful, but I encourage you to dig deeper into the resources from Father Toops, from Dr. Schutz, uh, from the IPF that are attached, and also from the John Paul II Healing Center. Um, enter into your own heart with caution. You know, go with God, but also be gentle, be gradual. You know that the, the Lord is choreographing your salvation. 
So you don't have to take control of your own healing process. Let what's in the present moment, your current struggles, and then what God is bringing into your heart and mind lead you um, through this process. And in it all, um, remember, repent, renounce, and forgive, and then ask the Holy Spirit to do the work. You're not saving yourself. God is your healer. He wants to love you in all these places. And in, in, in all of it, have patience with yourself. Thank you so much for being a part of Physically Spiritual. Every moment of the show you've watched, know that I'm grateful that you've given your time to this. I'm so passionate about the message that I'm trying to share, and I'm excited about the future of the show. So thank you for every like, every view, every watch, every follow, every comment, every rating you give in the show. And a special thank you to all you that are already members of the Awakened Nation. So thanks again for supporting the show. 